Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester, arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Hello, and you are listening to Worcester Culture Watch. I'm your host, Victor Infante, entertainment editor for the Worcester Telegram and Gazette, and the content editor for Worcester Magazine, and the consumer shopping columnist for the Gardner News. I think that's a great job. I, I, I don't know why they need me to do that. They've got their own people. But anyways, I'm in the studio today with intern Monica Sager. Hi, Monica. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Excellent. We're, and we are going to be talking about Worcester's search for a poet laureate. Now, for those of you who have been unaware, um, Worcester has not had a poet laureate in the city since uh, it was 2012, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, 2012, after the death of um, Gertrude Halstead, who was the last and first and only poet laureate that the city <laughs> has had. Um, I actually knew Gertrude, actually. Um, she was a wonderful woman, amazing woman, actually. Um, but and a brilliant poet, um, wrote some gorgeous work. But what's funny is she really did not want to be poet laureate. <laughs> Why is that? Um, she, it was, she, she was kind of a private person. She didn't necessarily want to do that sort of thing, but she wanted the city to have a poet laureate. So when it was offered to, to her, now she, was, she had an incredible life story. She was a Holocaust survivor. She, she, she was an amazing woman. And it was given to her, her as an honorific. And she had kind of hoped that it would continue on without her, and that didn't happen. <laughs> so, fast forward to 2015, and Ed Augustus at an event at the National Poetry Month event at the Worcester um, pop-up says, oh, yeah, we're going to have a poet laureate again. And everybody's like, oh, really? Okay. And fast forward to 2019, and we are finally have begun the search to do this. <laughs> and to make it up, we've also got with us a youth poet laureate. Yeah. And he was saying how that's to include all the youth in the city and try to add to the diversity of it. Now, you took a little look around at um, the state of poetry education, <laughs> and we're going to be, this will be in to this week's Worcester Magazine here. Um, and basically, what, what did you find the attitude towards poetry was? Teachers are really all for it, mm -hmm. um, but they were saying that their students are sometimes really iffy about it, that it's like this puzzle that they have to um, unscramble almost, mm. um, but they want to teach them because they find this value in it as much as novels and literature and everything like that. So it's very important, they believe. Excellent, excellent. Now, you you spoke to at least one young poet that is vying for the position. <laughs> yes. Uh, Chloe Solovka is interested in it, though she's not positive she would be the best candidate because she is a senior this year and is tr planning to go off to college. Oh, well, there's that. That's that's actually, you know, that is actually not something that has occurred to me. <laughs> yeah. Because I... I I, and I think it's just because you know, I've lived in Worcester so long. I'm just so used to so many kids from here. Just There's so many colleges here that just go exactly. somewhere close. And it's also open to people 12 to 19 years old. Mm -hmm. So she technically is in the age group. Yeah. So, but she won't. But if she's planning at being at UCLA or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I don't, we're not going to try to sabotage you here because I was actually pretty interested in her point of view and why she would want to do that. I mean, she seemed pretty indicative of, of, 
sort of student who might be interested in the youth yeah, poet definitely. laureate. So definitely. what was what was what was her motivation here? Yeah, she was telling me about how she's loved poetry her whole life. Um, that it was more like a song to her. Mm. That she could find just one thing and think of a poem for it. Um, that she finds influences throughout it. Um, where this all started when she was 12 years old and just about crushes and little, like, almost childish things like that, where now it's more like nature and actually exploring deeper meanings to stuff. Okay. Well, cool. I, I think, you know, I wish her well with this search Absolutely. and endeavor what's happening. Um, I We have did not have the opportunity to talk to too many applicants, but I know from experience that the um, kids that are involved with Louder Than a Bomb and the Youth Poetry Slam movement. I'm sure a lot of them are going to be in in this race. Um, That is, of course, a much more urban style, usually um, more influenced by hip-hop and um, by the adult poetry slam community. So they're also, you know, I think there's going to be a lot. And Worcester's always traditionally had a very strong strong um, crop of young poets from there. So a lot of them have, people who have started as young poets have gone on to become you know, prominent adult poets in both the region and and elsewhere. So I, I'm interested to see what comes of that. Um, for those who don't know, the date was actually expanded um, this week. They've they're now the uh, now uh, blah, 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 what was I saying? The um, deadline is now December 9th. So people have a couple more weeks to to apply um it's an interesting process because it's both a um you can nominate yourself or you can nominate someone else so it's one of those things we have one of the things in the store story i personally think it's perfectly okay to nominate yourself in fact i think (laughs) i think it's a strength (laughs) actually um i'm i've recused myself from this entire process but but um but um I don't, you know, and other, there are people, and I talk to them, um, who feel it is not something you should apply for. It is something you should be bestowed. Oh, why do they think that? They, they, they feel, I don't know. I think, I think they kind of think it's arrogant. Okay. And that might not be the right word, but there is also, you know, there's a sense of that shouldn't be something that one decides for themselves. And often that's the case in both so, Britain. It's so almost like Britain. the uh, honor, like you were saying with the first poet. Yeah. It has to go to them. Yeah. It. It, should be, it should be an honor that's given, not something that you seek. Okay. I don't know if I entirely <laughs> agree, but I don't know if I have strong feelings either yeah. way either. Um, I spoke to poet Eve Rivka, uh, who, is one's, who, is rather, who is upfront about the fact that she's applying for it. Um, and she also both gave recommendations of at least one other poet that she would like to see in the job. So, you know, it's not an all or nothing situation. Some people would like to see it themselves and some people would like to, um, you know, there are, they have their favorites that they would like it to go to. Um, you know, there were a lot of, a lot of popular, um, recommendations. Um, poet Alex Harlan Beatties was by far the most recommended poet literally less only four or five people i talked to did not recommend him out of 20 something (laughs) (laughs) um that being said he's actually on the search committee (laughs) so he can't he's ineligible (laughs) so surprise 
Um, other top contenders um, that were mentioned were poets um, Tony Brown, um, Jenneth Sharpentier, Paul Slozak. There was a number of others um, long I, who have a list of them in my story in this week's Worcester Magazine. But yeah, there is this very weird sense that there's 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 this sense of uh, of question as to whether it is something that one sh- a lot of poets are wondering whether they should apply for themselves or whether it's something that they should nominate somebody else for. And I think I would say most are kind of nominating other people if they're remembering to fill out their paperwork. Always, <laughs> always a question with poets. Um, but you know, and I think first the qualification of the poet laureate job is: Will you actually remember to file paperwork? <laughs> So I think that might have something to do with it. This is a city job, basically. Um, what's interesting, though, and I think where everybody was on more of the same page, was that they were of what they would like to see done. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of talk of poets doing workshops and readings in Worcester's inner, you know, inner cities in its. Um, Neighborhoods such as Maine South and Vernon Hill, Great Book Valley, um, bringing bringing poets to those regions instead of you know to other parts, having them come to other parts of town, Um, collecting poets from works by poets from some of those areas. There's some really interesting ideas that came up. Um, um, Ashley Wonder, who's a wonderful poet. she she actually talked about wanting to find ways to highlight poets that from groups that we might not see. Maybe LGBTQ. I think we have you know a fair number of poets of that background here. Um, deaf poets, which was an interesting thing. I you know you, we've never seen a focus on that here in the city. Um, I think it was really interesting. So, what are your thoughts on poetry? Do you read poetry? I honestly don't. <laughs> Not that ah. much. Yeah. I've never gotten into it, but I really liked Chloe's, like, what she was telling me about how it's, like, music and okay. everything. Because um, I had a teacher who told me that in high school. Um, so I've always wanted to get into it, but I've always had problems deciphering it, like what the, all the teachers were telling well, me. Well, and that's a, that is a, that's a problem. I mean, not just a problem. And it is something that the teachers were right mm-hmm. about. Um it is too often poetry is taught like a math problem. Exactly. And it sounds almost daunting then. Yeah, and it's and it's that's not what it's <laughs> that's not what it's about. It's a form of self expression. And we and just like any other sort of writing, we can pick it apart on the how it works. Mm-hmm. But the this X metaphor equals Y simile, that that's not <laughs> Yeah. That's well, not the right way well, to be looking at it. one thing that Chloe pointed out, which I really liked, was that it's all unique to everybody. Mm-hmm. So my interpretation of poetry, it can be correct, but so can yours. Yep. And they can be totally different, mm-hmm. which is really awesome. Within about. a within a degree. Yes, of, of course, <laughs> within of a course. degree. There is a point where you I, – and, I, and I've seen this actually argument online just recently. There is a point where you are so f- – where sometimes the opinion is so far <laughs> afield that, no, they, it is actually just wrong. Yeah. But within a, within that field, it is because I have seen people come up with some crazy things from yeah. poems, and it's just you're, it's like no, you're actually not reading it. That, that's all that's going on here. But no, she is correct. Um, there was one thing we didn't have a chance, the ability to get into it in this story. But you, some of the teachers you talked to had some 
pretty good programs for for teaching poetry. Yeah. So yeah. What, what what did you come up with there? So at Bancroft, um, they have this whole month. Um, it's mm-hmm. a national holiday, I would say, um, Poetry Month. Well, National Poetry Month is, yeah, is yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a national. Um, and they do a whole bunch of different events for it. So they have like po- um, Poem in Your Pocket where <laughs> one student will go up to another and you have, you have to be like, oh, are you participating? And if they are, they like read them the poem and then they <laughs> check off um, on this like almost like a bingo sheet type thing. Excellent. Um, to try to find all these different poems throughout the day. Um, each one would create their own poem or bring in their favorite poem and they're all posted throughout the dining hall. And like teachers will bring down their classes, like do almost like a hide and seek type thing with searching for the poem that fits about nature, the poem that talks about animals, like something like that. Um, or they can just go there and read the poetry each other because um, that's the one space that all the school, um, all the grades in that school go to throughout the day. So they're all able to celebrate poetry together. And then beyond all of this, you have the conferences that these teachers are um, putting on for their students, which is really awesome. It brings in a whole bunch of different poets from all around, as well as um, authors and other writers and they were able just to learn from all these um, experienced people. Yeah. Now, I've, in interest of disclosure, I've actually been a guest writer at the um, Bancroft Writers Conference, and it was an amazing experience. For it's a lot of work. It was a lot of work, and I was doing a journalism workshop, and that's a hard thing to do, to workshop. Yeah. You know how to how it's like how do you write a newspaper story? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, what I did, and you might think you might appreciate this, what I did is I took the groups and I. I I had them split them up into pairs, and they had to interview each other. Oh, that's cute! <laughs> and write a story, about, write a story about it. Then, after a few minutes, I separated them to different parts of the class. Okay. So they could still ask questions, but they had to go. Oh, go so it's to almost like a person. phone interview then. At that yeah. point, you have to find and then, them. And then I sent them uh, like outside, separate, like half of them group, and the other half had to be like outside the room somewhere, and like <laughs> within a certain amount of feet. So this, it got harder. The farther you got from the source, the harder it was to write. I, I think it, I, 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 the kids did a great job. The kids Good. did a great job with it. I, 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 I hope they enjoyed it. I hope they got something out of it because it is a hard thing to write Absolutely. like that. I still to this day don't know how to teach journalism in one one sitting. I just can't. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So and there, I think there is a lot. I think in a lot of ways, this perception of poetry in the schools might actually be changing. Okay. I mean, I think Poetry Slam and Brave New Voices and things like that have had a different had an effect. And you see it maybe if we'd gone to other schools, we would have had kids would have had different. No, reactions absolutely. and i think um, you know i think especially in um urban schools more urban schools mm-hmm. you get you you might have a higher opinion <laughs> in some regards which you think i think if you a lot of people might actually be surprised by that but it's actually no more but of the a, teachers were saying how the students do tend towards slam poetry mm-hmm. um but they also found it interesting how when they give them free range to pick whatever poem they want to learn deeper um, that some of them are picking like Shakespeare and stuff, um, like the classics. Hmm. Interesting. Any idea why that was? Or they weren't too sure. They were just surprised at it. Um, they thought that it's not an easy thing. Um, so that's why they were surprised with that. They wanted to try to um, interpret Shakespeare or another poet. Um, so they weren't positive with why they were choosing it, but it was definitely a harder thing for them to do. Okay. Well, there we are. And I think, you know, I'm very, very curious to see what comes of this 
poet laureate process. Um, the search again is underway. You can read our story in Wis- stories in Worcester Magazine today on WorcesterMagazine.com or Telegram.com or probably various other .coms. And I should also <laughs> note that um, you are possibly listening to this on Unity Radio ninety seven point nine FM. So this podcast you can f- find in all of those places and wherever you find podcasts. Monica, thank you very much for joining us today thank on Worcester Culture Watch. Uh, usually right now we would play a song by a local musician, but you know we're going to instead, for the rest of this segment, we're going to play some poems by local poets who have come into the studio here and recorded over the past week or so. Um, we're going to start this off with Gardner Street by Tony Brown. Gardner Street, where the cobblestones no longer hide under asphalt. Axle breaker road, commonly used when cutting from Maine south to the faster route to downtown. The one not as direct, but with fewer obstacles once you get past the hard, historic rumble of Gardner Street. Then again, even though driving down Main Street offers a straight shot there, it's never been easy to get to our shiny downtown from Main South, even before the rebuild the driving out of the old tenants, the teardown of the old church, the ripping of old fabric in favor of something artisanal and pure and much more wholesomely rough. If they haven't paved a condo courtyard down there with vintage cobblestones yet, they will. Back on Gardner Street, right near the new Boys and Girls Club, Located off of what they used to call Kilby Street, until someone decided that name reminded too many of those who ran the corners there. GPS still calls it Kilby Street, though all the signs are down and trashed. Drivers not already in the know keep slamming into that open pit of cobblestones and hard break or break down hard. Townies know better what's under every shiny new surface. Know what will render your shiny ride useless. Know what it means to be shined on. Know what their streets used to hold. Know real people live on Gardner Street. And they don't always just pass through. Unlikely Bookstores. The Written. David McPherson. It's listed in the city directory as a bookstore. Some visitors might report it an art gallery or a reading club, but the city directory is not to be trifled with. It states it a bookstore, then it is a bookstore. The written has no more than six books at a time. Visitors pay a small fee to be a member, allowing them to linger and read one of the books. No one is allowed to take the volumes home, not as books at any rate. The books are people with their clothes removed. They have entire novels tattooed on their skin. The custom at the written is to start the book at the neck and have it spiral down to the tips of the toes. It goes without saying that the novels displayed are not long, but who needs epics? Who needs that amount of attention gazing upon another's skin? It is unspoken ritual for no more than three people to be reading a book at a time. 
The start times must be staggered. It is not uncommon for people to spend all day reading the flesh before them. They circle around the book slowly, digesting the sight of the words. Once a week, one book is retired and another is debuted. The tattoo artists are said to be the authors, but no one is allowed to meet them or to confirm this. Some wonder if there are ghost writers. The texts are not perfect. There are crossed out sections and shaky tenses. Grammatical errors are everywhere on the skin. Eternally Dancing Between Worlds Poem by Eve Rivka, based on a photograph by Natasha Hanna. She conducts the rose-tint sky, a world evening in blues, grays, salmons, pinks, overlaid with the black tatting of hemlock. Arms rise in thin hallelujahs, in ecstasy of command, the twigs of her unruly hair snap and crackle. Has she summoned this chill through bones and branches, a shiver to exalt the night, cut to black with hidden stars? Tammany Hall, May 1976. I'm the pale boy sporting a biscuit beret. She's the tan blonde brandishing a black Stetson. My head fits under her chin like two puzzle pieces. She grabs my hand, swings us out on the floor. I spin under the crook of her arm. The crush divides, opens ample room for our antics. The band segues from I'm free into something. Her right palm annexes my spine. Left arm absorbs my shoulders. My cheek folds onto her chest. Sultry breath caresses my temple, the white of her blouse, the blur of bodies. I dissolve into her musk, mango, ambergris. Light fades, music dims, underpinning her bouquet, a salty tang. My nose shadows the scent, draws deeply. The song ends, a stocky hand grips my elbow. I look up at a smiling man offering beer. He's as taller than her, than she to me. Thanks for taking care of my girl, little buddy. She straightens my beret, pecks me on the lips, beckons to her petite brunette, smiling our way. Night Driver, Alex McCoy. Kenneth tells me Worcester's got no nightlife. Rather, one could say it's more of a slight life. Hell, doesn't the Worcester Lyft driver, stoic, stalwart, deserve a comfortable, if a tight life? It wasn't the dream, but it keeps the stove hot for the ox heads ready to sacrifice the right life, ride out those mouth-watering months, or years, or worse. But we both know that's not quite life, Kenneth, Lyft driver, who doesn't much care for Worcester's uncanny skill to quip the nightlife. Oh, Kenneth, of countless middlemen dropped and bitten bitter dust when you'd rather bite life, whose gigs were always temporary turbulence. Nobody joins this grave shift for the bright life. One day, 
Note, you don't say when, you will be whole, you will be grounded, despite life. Then, the nagging questions pearl in my mouth. I never get to ask you why you're trying to survive life. If you skip job to job like a stone, and if you pray each morning this not be the day you dive. Life as the fishbowl, invisible to we who bash heads with it, we captives, captains of this nine-to-five life. No shame. No shame, I whisper to the window. It's just a paycheck, Alex. Don't let it drive life. This is Ashley Wonder, and I'm reading the Wu poem. I didn't fall in love with the Wu until the biggest pieces of my heart were buried. Cemetery. Childhood memories bring trauma we articulate when grown. Like worshiping in the hood, St. Andrew's Church, and we all grew accustomed to homeless falling asleep to a sermon or praise songs. Weekends spent with my favorite aunt on Indian Lake. Too many cookouts on Preston and Benefit Streets where laughter and the best fireworks fill the child's heart. When you're mixed of black and German-Irish, you learn to love both ghetto and middle-class apartments, June Street and Washington Heights. We all have memories of Jerry's ice cream truck on Elm Park, Juneteenth festivals, or free musical concerts because anything free is always a good feeling. The older we get, the more you cherish what is no more. Like Stoney O'Brien's, where many Wyman Gordon steel workers enjoyed a quick beer and the thickest grinders. Street names that brought generations of black families together until only mamas and great aunties held its glory. It's remembering the park or one of the seven hills your heart was first shattered or meeting the love of your life at a gas station that would be the family joke for years. It is finding your way, realizing you outgrow what's familiar. It's leaving and coming back for holidays or to bury your father, always holding a piece of home with you. When they ask where you're from, maybe for some it will be the bursting heart and smile. If, with apologies to Rudyard Kipling by Joe Fusco Jr. If I were appointed the Poet Laureate of Worcester, I would insist on being called Sir Joe Fusco Jr. at all open mic poetry readings, just like they do for Sir Paul McCartney at all British karaoke's. I would expect 25% off every breakfast item I consume at all Worcester diners. I would smoke a fancy pipe with flavored tobacco and mutter, hmm, when all other Worcester poets asked for my opinion of their scribblings. I would expect a complimentary tangeray and tonic and heartfelt handshake at all the eating and drinking establishments on Shrewsbury Street. I would assure my critics, and they know who they are, that I am not a vengeful icon, then conspire to triple their water and sewer bills with all the proceeds going to the Hal Surowitz Poetry Project. I would endorse local politicians, toss candy or combs at the Columbus Day Parade, and christen sailboats under the new Lake Quinsig Bridge, all for a reasonable stipend. If I were appointed the Poet Laureate of Worcester, all the Belgians in Belgium would rejoice. Donc Chavelle. You have been listening to poems by Tony Brown, David McPherson, Eve Rifka, Richard Fox, Alex McCoy, 
Ashley Wonder, and Joe Fusco Jr. My name is Victor Infante. You can find more of our arts and entertainment coverage at telegram.com and wistermag.com or just listen to us here on Unity Radio 97.9 FM. As always, our theme music was composed by DJ Manipulator. You can check out his new mixtape, The Soviet Tape. And you might recognize our theme music as the beat to his track, Russian Roulette. We'll be back next week. Thanks and goodbye.